Hey, I'm Drew Adams. And Dan Seataller. We are the co-founders of Weekly Budgeting Redefined, an app for your iPhone. This week on the podcast, we're going to talk about what happens when you ding up a $2 million car. Then we have uh, the Frugal Fellow coming to join us for uh, some discussion and tips on frugality. And then we'll wrap it up with some stats from you know our weekly users of the weekly app. So stay tuned. Father's Day. Yeah. Yeah, likewise. Cheers. It's it's interesting uh to to be a father and to have a father on yeah. Father's Day. The whole thing gets a little interesting. Yeah. It's kind of like a birthday, but it's not just about you. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like people it's for are celebrating you, you, you're celebrating your dad, yeah. grandfather, you know, so on. Yeah, and I was thinking about how we both have dads that are in to the financial world. Yeah. I, my dad was an accountant by trade. Mm-hmm. And your dad? Yep, likewise, CPA and, and worked in lots of different offices in accounting. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what did your... Did your dad get into... What, did he work... Tell me more about his, his career. Yeah, so he, he studied um, accounting at BYU. Uh, he uh, did an internship, I believe, with Deloitte. Worked with them for a number of years. Uh, and then played a role in... A, uh, mid-sized company that uh, got out. Got he was he was an executive at this company that got bought by Intel, and that was um, probably one of his his you know biggest uh, successes in his professional career. Um, today he works for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and his role. I, I don't know what it. I I, I think it's uh, global payments manager or in that realm. Okay. Um, uh, may that may not be quite accurate, but uh, yeah, he's managing the, the the world of accounting, you know. Yeah. So with your kids, yes. Do you and how you treat money with your kids is it different or the same in the way that your dad taught about money with you? Yeah that that is interesting. I mean, your kids are still young, so right, right, right. Maybe very... in a few more years, I'll have more discussions. I yeah. mean, I remember my dad explaining money in a very logical way he's a very logical thinker and he's like look this is this is how it is and this is how it works and so um not a lot of like you know interesting tips and tricks but just like these are the fundamentals and and you feel like you'll be that same way with yeah i think so yeah yeah this is how it works because money i remember him saying once he had he had all these phrases he would say that were just like really well worded for the situation, but he said, money is neither good nor bad. It just gives you opportunities. Hmm. Right. So sometimes people get caught up in like, you know, you know, being too obsessed about money or not needing money. And like kind of both of those situations are not good Yeah, because we do need money to live in this world. That's our currency. That's how we exchange value. Yeah. Um, But being too obsessed about it can create this unbalance. And so, 
Um, I think he had a good kind of even keel uh, approach, which right. I, I've tried to adopt. Yeah, yeah. How about you? Um, so um, my dad was an was an accountant by training, and yeah. then ended up being part of a an accountant at a magazine. Ended up being a part of a partnership that bought the magazine, mm-hmm. and then ended up doing some other things. And now it does accounting. Um, always felt like he had it under control. You know, like I always yeah. knew it was going to be, dad had it under control. It was going to be provided for. I was, you know, yeah. really, you know, it's a great gift as a father to, to give to a family. Right. To feel like that. Right. Yes. Um, and then I think we got financial lessons as needed, meaning when we got to the right age to mm-hmm. learn about this or learn about insurance and stuff like that. Um, never really knew how much money was around though. Do you feel yeah, like you knew yeah. how much money your mom and dad had? No, not a clue. I, although I do remember having a conversation once when I was getting to the age of awareness, I was probably like 16 years old thinking about, you know, salaries, like what, what do people make in the world? Yeah. And I remember having this conversation with my dad about how much money he made and like, you know, he, he wasn't about to just offer that up, but I made a guess and yeah. he was like surprised at how close I was. Right. Okay. <laughs> so you could see it on so his like, face. He was like, yeah, he was like, that's actually pretty accurate. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, uh, but, but in general, yeah, I mean, like, I, I feel like that can really ebb and flow with your expenses and like, I, I never had a sense of like, this is how much money we have. Yeah. Sure. And I wonder how much I should be open with my kids. Yeah. Right. Cause sometimes they'll ask, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. how much money do we have? Yeah. Daddy? Like, and I'm like, and, and then I'm at that moment, yeah. you know, where I'm like, well, how much do I tell them? Like, right. you know, and I have tried to side towards being more open and, and maybe with towards that same philosophy you were saying money is just a thing. Yeah. You know, and if you don't let it have power over you, if you just say yeah. what it is, yeah, um, but then, uh, sometimes I pull back, so mm-hmm. I haven't, haven't mastered yeah. it really yeah. about how open to be about it with, with right. young children. Right. Yeah. Well, still trying well, to figure it out. Right. Um, working with kids and money is a, is a funny thing. The other day, my, my daughter asked me that question. She said, how much money do you have? Yeah. And I thought about that simple question and how difficult it is to answer. Right. Because it's like, how much money is in my bank? What's right. my net worth? Right. Like what, you yeah. know, <laughs> we have debt. We have like, what's my salary? There's like all these different numbers as adults that yeah. you're tracking yeah, yeah. to like evaluate your financial health. Right. But as a kid, it's just like, what do you got? You right. know, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. how much do you have? Right. And it's as simple as this. <laughs> 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 then the answer is always ends up being like, uh, enough. Yeah, you know, we have yeah, enough. What right. do you need? Like, yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. My dad also used to say, uh, he would teach these, uh, I'm kind of remembering now, he'd teach these um, financial classes and, and uh, once in a while I'd, I would just be with him while he was teaching them as a young kid. Oh, okay. And I remember him saying or asking in one of his classes uh, to the to the audience, what's your most valuable asset? And people would have, you know, different answers on the house or car, say, paid health. this off or whatever. Did anybody yeah. say health? Your health, right? So along those same lines, he said, your most valuable asset is your income. Oh, okay. I mean, that's, you know, critical for most people. You yeah, know? I for mean, sure. It's like, that's the money that's coming in. And so it's it's not necessarily sitting in your bank like my daughter's asking, how much money do you have? Well, the amount of money we have, it's not quite as important as the fact that there's money that's coming in, right? Right, 
and the ability to make it and your education. Right. Exactly. And all that. Mm-hmm. Heck, the relationship with your wife is an yeah, asset, it isn't is. it? It I is. Mean, I don't know. Absolutely. Is that true? If that goes south, that can, that can, you know, that can be a problem. <laughs> Cause a lot of other issues in life. So for sure. So how would you like a $2 million car as an asset? Oh, that would be nice. So, um, I don't know if, if you saw the story, but, um, Tracy Morgan, who is a, com- a comedian. Do you know Tracy Morgan? Uh, uh, sort of. I know his face. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he was um, on SNL a long time ago. Yeah. used to do a character called Brian Fellows. We just had the Frugal Fellow. <laughs> yeah. Or, coming up, we're going to yeah. have a, a conversation with the Frugal Fellow. But he had Brian Fellows. Do you remember that bit? No, I don't. Okay. Do you yeah. remember 30 Rock? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Anyway, uh, it was on 30 Rock, but then he actually got in a bad accident. This isn't about that. He got in a bad car accident. One of his friends died in it. He he was rear-ended oh, wow. or something by some sleepy driver situation. Anyway, he was seriously injured, got out of it, re- got his career back on track, and was and now the last OG, I think, is his latest show. Um, but he recently bought a $2 million car, and then a half a mile out from the dealership, got into a traffic accident. And it was not his fault, apparently, but someone just kind of sideswiped him. It was not a big deal. It was like a fender bender. Yeah. But I was thinking, like, first of all, did did they cover that? Like, did they, you know, <laughs> like, if you just spent $2 million on a car, hopefully, you know, you got this little yeah. bump for free, you know, taken yeah. care of, bumped yeah, out of the car right. or whatever. Like, yeah. come, on, come on, just yeah. come. Don't even worry about it. We'll just take care exactly, of this little thing. yeah. But then it's not even it's her fault. So her insurance has to to take care of it, I'm assuming. Yeah. I'm assuming this and, is all just conjecture, you know, something. Right. Like and damages were like 22,000, right? And that's I, the thing like some, how, some yeah. ridiculous number. Like so, the, the amount of a regular car. Right. To like, fix a fender bender, <laughs> the front bumper was reported to cost $22,000. And then an additional $10,000 to replace the damaged fender on the driver's side quarter panel. Oh, my goodness. Now, why does it cost? Like, that has got to be just some metal and some paint. Yeah. Like, how is it possible, even if you had it custom made, <laughs> what is it made out of, man? Is it, like, yeah. platinum? Like, it, yeah. it's incredible that it costs. And it has to be just relative to the price of the car itself. They must just figure out a percentage, and they cost mm-hmm. they charge that. Right, yeah. The the pricing and the cost may be, like, skewed there because of the overall value of the car. And you know how they say you drive a car off a lot and it automatically mm-hmm. depreciates in, in value? Yeah. Something like, what, 10% yeah, or something? Yeah, something like that. 15%. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, you know, I was thinking, you know, $2 million, you drive it off the lot, you're already down yeah. $300,000. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get this yeah. fender bender. It's like, oh Yeah, that's, yeah. That's that's tough. That is. But then I was reading about, um, it, it really depends if, like, if this is a classic car that becomes a collector's item that they don't make a lot of, it might actually be an asset that goes up in value. Because do you remember you remember Mr. Bean? Mr. Bean. Oh, I know Mr. Bean. So Rowan Atkinson. I was just this has happened a long time ago, but it, I was looking at it because of this. He he who would known that Mr. Bean likes fast cars, but he does. Mm-hmm. I think this is called a McLaren McLaren F1. Uh-huh. So he bought it for five hundred and forty thousand pounds, hundred thousand five hundred and four. Help me with this. Uh, 
540,000 pounds, uh-huh. half a million pounds in 2011, had the most massive wreck. Like if they have pictures of it online, yeah. just, I mean, he was okay. He was fine. But the, the car was totaled. I mean, it was a total, it was toast. <laughs> they put it back together. It cost 910,000 pounds. So over a million dollars to do the repairs on a car that costs half a million. So the repairs were oh more gosh. than the car itself. But there's only like a limited number of these cars like available. And then, so here's the thing. He's like, drove, drives it. I think it had 40,000 miles on it. Decides he wants to sell it. And guess what the, well, you see it in the, in the, but what do you think he sold it for? After buying it for a half yeah. million, repairing it for a million <laughs> pounds, which is, and then. Yeah, you would think. Even with the best repair job, it would be under the initial sales price yeah. of 500,000 pounds, right. you would think. You, but yeah, but because of the because there was a limited number of these and they became collector's items and they were the fastest production car of the decade, sold it for 8 million pounds. Oh my gosh. So there you go. Sometimes <laughs> expensive cars are actually, um, you know, investments like investment, right? investment in a piece of art. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Most most cars people buy are are uh, going down in value every single year. Yeah, just got to buy the right one. Well, that's what we ought to do. You just make half a million dollars, spend it on a really fancy car, and then hold on to it long enough to there you get go. your money back. Alternative assets. So, um, it's uh kind of graduation time is kind of come and gone. People are graduating from college. Some people have college debt. And then so this new story caught my eye about um, the guy who had thirty thousand dollars in in student loan debt. Did you hear? Did you hear about this one? Um, no, I haven't. Which heard is, about doesn't this seem like a sum, huge number, right? That does not seem like a yeah, huge number, right? It's probably around average, I would guess, right? Twenty to thirty thousand, maybe. So let's look up his name, uh, Chad Albright, um, and this this is taken from the York Daily Record, um, but he had thirty thousand dollars in debt. In debt, um, had actually worked at a pizza parlor to save money while work for college, but ended up racking up that much debt to get out of college. Started, but then couldn't find a job. His his degree was in public relations. Couldn't find a job, so he goes back to work at the same pizza parlor and basically was saying that college ruined his life. Like it is, the narrative is starting to get changed right people college made my life possible and now like college has ruined my life and then so he decided he was felt like he was in debtor's prison he couldn't afford and now he was in the same life he had before but now he had to pay this thirty thousand dollars debt so just left the country and (laughs) yeah and and he started teaching english i'm not sure where but in asia maybe hong kong or thailand i'm sorry i forget the details of the story um, and then went to another foreign country. Now it's like he can't come home. And so I started thinking about, like, can you really go to jail for not paying your student loans? Do, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I actually know. know the like, answer, but what I, would you think? I would not think so. I, I guess the the narrative that I've kind of understood in the U.S. is, like, if you can't pay your loans off, then you have to declare bankruptcy that which, won't get rid of them which basically i don't think that gets like, rid of them affects your credit poorly for 7 years 
That's just like what I've heard, but I don't know. You you can't you can't blow off student loans that easy, huh? Well, you know what? Now now I feel the need to pick it up, uh, look it up, but I'm not sure that bankruptcy allows you to get rid of student loan debt. I think there was a law that was passed regarding mm. that. But so table table that yeah, for a second. Yeah, that's interesting. But you can go into jail for not paying your taxes. Yes. And since the government is subsidizing some of these student loans, hmm. or at least sort of the quasi Sally Mae situation, yeah. I was thinking if you didn't pay them back, you might also be in threat of jail time, but it's actually not true. You can only go to jail if you don't pay your taxes or don't pay your, your child support. Hmm. Well, there you go. So you can breathe easy. <laughs> Like I, but he, it does kind of like with him being in a foreign country trying to live, you know, there's, you can't come home. I mean, that's a big price to pay. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Especially so young. I mean, get your whole life ahead having to leave family and your home country. Yeah. I would, you would hope that you could scrape together somehow, you know, $30,000 working two jobs, but. Yeah. You know. I mean, with a, with a college degree of any sort, you'd think you'd be able to get you know, at least definitely a step up from a, a pizza parlor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's the other thing. <laughs> I don't know. I may want to do a little more looking like around. PR like, work. Yeah. Like, I feel like maybe he just should set the bar <laughs> and just say, I'm not going back to the pizza parlor. <laughs> right. <laughs> that might work out well. Or let it, that be the second job. I don't know. Yeah, he says he couldn't right. find one. The other thing that was hard was he graduated right during that 2008 mm, yeah, downturn. So economically. Yeah. Right. But that was 11 years ago. I mean, mm -hmm. like <laughs> things are different now. The employment rate is really, yeah. the unemployment rate is really low. Right. So anyway, those are some things I wanted to talk about. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to take a break here. We're going to um, have our guest in here and then we'll be back in a second. All right. We're here with Bob Hegley of the Frugal Fellow. Thanks for dropping in. Welcome, yep. Bob. Yep. Thank you. Appreciate it. So let's start off by talking about the Frugal Fellow. Um, how did you start the blog and what is its major sort of thrust? Um, yeah, so, um, I started it, uh, it was back in March of, uh, 2018. So, um, that'd be, you know, a little over, a little over a year ago. And, uh, you know, I actually initially had started a different blog. It was, um, about, uh, it's actually, you know, sustainability, um, and like clean energy and things like that, that I was focusing okay. on. Hmm. Um, but I decided to sort of, uh, shift gears a little bit. I decided that I wanted something that was, um, a little bit more kind of like appealing to the masses, at least that was the uh, idea at the time. Um, so I kind of just stuck with that and um, kind of been working on that for, like I said, since, you know, m back in March of 2018. And um, yeah, I just thought that, you know, everybody, everybody kind of needs money. Everybody needs to deal with money. Obviously we all deal with that kind of like every day. Yep, yep. And uh, I had some kind of struggles with money, you know, kind of earlier on when I was like a teenager and things like that. So yeah. I just thought I could kind of help people um, with some of the struggles I had and, and kind of, you know, improving their own finances. Did you so. adopt some frugality practices during that time? And what were they? Um, well, actually, you know what? I kind of I kind of didn't uh, in terms of, well, I would say I didn't. I didn't. It was more like optimizing my finances overall. Um, the idea behind the blog name is kind of like I've always been sort of like naturally naturally frugal. Um, one of the examples that I like to give is like people say that, oh, you know, I, I, I walked into Target planning to get one thing and I ended up like walking out with this whole like cart full of stuff. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's not, that's not me. Like I, not I would never do that. I'm just not like tempted to spend money in, in that way, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to get in there and, and get out. So, um, 
that was i mean that's kind of just always been like a thing for me and that was kind of like set the idea behind the name yeah um but i've definitely done some other things in terms of like optimizing my finances like like i said i've you know optimized my uh, investments and, and things like that so yeah do you have a can you give an example of what like optimizing investments like uh does that mean like mutual fund picks or index funds or like making sure you have the right allocation across different funds uh, yeah, well, you know, when I kind of started this, there's there's a couple of different things that I do, like a couple of different um, portfolios that I have actually. But uh, before I started this, like I didn't really have much. I was just kind of like I would do what my employers had me do. You know, they they yeah. put you into certain plans, and I just kind of did that. Um, but then I started learning a bit more. Uh, basically, once I started getting to getting into the you know sort of uh, financial independence thing, um, I started to learn more about all of that and and sort of um the idea the kind of investment philosophies um so nowadays i'm kind of like um doing more like index funds i have um kind of like you know there's one of the ones i have is is the fidelity total market you know the one with the zero yeah. fees which is like really nice so i have that yeah i also have like another portfolio which is like uh paul merriman's uh kind of philosophy it kind of what's that Oh, you don't know about it? No, tell me. Yeah, well, he—it's he, actually he has this site. It's like it's literally paulmerriman.com, and uh, he has like some different portfolios that he maintains. He has like one for Vanguard, one for uh, Fidelity, one for Schwab, I think. And he's like, there's like these eleven fund portfolios that he has, and um, it's kind of like large cap, mid cap, small cap, and there's like some international and things like that. Okay. Um, but and then he he also breaks it down in terms of like said so there's the different uh, lenders, but then he also has like um. You know, like whether your your risk tolerance is like aggressive, you know, moderate or, or you know, uh, more or less aggressive. I forget the term. But. And he'll give you mutual fund picks based off of what your risk tolerances are. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like different. Uh, it's like, you know, here's this fund, you know, like it'll be like iShares or like some different ones. And it's like depending on what your um, risk tolerance is, it'll like give you different percentages for, for what how much you should be invested in, in that fund. Right. Yeah. Right. What's, what's the uh, setup like? You mentioned um, how you used to be kind of like I am, which is you just pick the generic fund that they give you as as far as part of a four hundred one k investment strategy. Yeah. Um, what? How do you kind of go from being an average person doing that to making the decisions to to change that up and and to you know optimize your funds like you talk about? Yeah, well, there's there's some there's a couple things you can do. Um, there is like a lot of really um, good information out there that I've kind of um, not I was going to say stumbled across, not really stumbled across. It was kind of like guided to by different people. Um, but you know, there's some really um, kind of simple ways you can do it um, that that I like to to reference a lot that will okay. kind of give you like good market exposure, but also not a ton of risk. I, I like to do like like a three three fund portfolio a lot of times which mm-hmm, is like mm-hmm. it'll give you like a total stock market a total bond market and total international market yeah um so those are like really good funds in the sense that it's like giving you a lot of exposure but also like kind of like minimizing your risk and your and your fees at the same mm-hmm. time so, yeah cool yeah so back to the blog for a second yeah what's been one of the most popular topics you've had on your blog um yeah there's you know there's been there's been a couple but um you know i've had some kind of like features on some sites um so i don't really count those as like being my more popular ones because it's like they weren't um necessarily like i wasn't necessarily driving the own my own uh traffic or it wasn't like the topic itself necessarily it was more like the feature a feature of i would get featured on like some bigger sites like rockstar finance and things like that so you just happen to get more traffic because you got because they're bigger sites they're they're featuring me Uh but but in terms of like things that i did myself it was like um one of the really popular ones, actually, I, I wrote a post and it was like a couple months ago. 
Um, and I, I don't know if you, I didn't mention this to you guys, I don't think, but I actually, I actually quit my job, uh, my traditional nine to five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I'll, I'm, I want to, I want to know about that. Yeah. I, I maybe I'm out of, <laughs> everybody wants it. to read that post, but, but you know, as far as 2019 goes, um, you know, first half of 2019 anyway, that has been like my post with the second most views, even though I didn't get like featured anywhere. So definitely a lot of views. And also it's had like my most comments out of any post I've done. So mm. definitely and, popular. All right. Can you give a, th- just a thrust of what the post was? It was, I've quit my job. Yeah. And here's my plan. Was that the, the, the yeah, what the like, post was about? Well, you know, I kind of um, went all into it in terms of like the details. Like I wasn't satisfied with my job. And I think, and, you know, I, I kind of gave some stats because I think a lot of people nowadays are not necessarily um, satisfied with the traditional nine to five. You know, it's, I, I think, you know, in the 20th century, that was kind of like the thing that middle class people did. And I think that's starting to shift a little bit. I mean, not certainly still millions of people are working, you know, the traditional nine to fives. But and I think what, what were you doing at the time? The same general field of expertise? Uh, no, I was in, well, I was in it basically since okay. I graduated, um, different, some different it jobs. That's what I majored in. And so that's what I was doing. Um, but there were various different reasons I, d- reasons I did it. One of the ones was I, I finished, uh, paying off my student loans actually. Congratulations. That's, yeah. Thanks. I mean, I went to you know private school, so <laughs> they were even big student loans. Yeah. So like once I, once <laughs> is that I, what you mean? Yeah. Go yeah ahead. Oh yeah. 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 No, it's, it, it was a lot. It was like a big financial burden. So like once I paid that off, like, my, you know, my, uh, mindset started to shift a little bit. I was and like, how did you do it? What was your strategy? I mean, there, there, there were some different things I did. Honestly, I was a little bit, I will say that I was kind of lucky because after I went to school, I actually moved back with my parents. Okay. And that, that was like really one of the biggest things Yeah. because they didn't charge me rent or anything like that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like, cause housing is, is your number one cost. Like that's the biggest cost for most people. So if yeah. you're able to you know, not have housing costs or even, even lessen it really, even get it down, you know, that that's going to be like such a huge win for anybody really. So that, yeah. that was kind of like the, the number one thing. And I also had a car, I, I paid off my car, so I didn't have a car payment. That's like number two for most yeah. people. Mm-hmm. So basically getting those big expenses down was like the, the number one thing that and I did. Did you do then bigger payments on the student loans as a result, put all that money onto the student loans? Um, yes, yes, or- I did. But I also, I also like refinanced. So I was able to get my interest rate down as well, which really helped. So there were different things I did. Okay. But, yeah. And uh, how long did it take you? Um, I finished paying them off. It was, uh, I believe, August of 2017. So that would have been a little over seven years. Okay. Yeah. All right. A little over seven years. And was there a huge... What did you do to celebrate? Um, did, was it just like you wrote that final check and felt great? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, n- not a whole lot. You know, it's funny though. Like, so I, I mentioned I refinanced. Um, and so I, it was like through SoFi, whatever, but... Um, that was like the first time that I had had any sort of account with them. So, um, I actually got an email from them saying like, Oh, it's your, your like one, an- one year anniversary with SoFi. And then I like finished paying them off like a week later. So they, <laughs> you know, I, I had no liability with them anymore at that point. So it's just kind of funny. It's like, Oh, well, yeah, that's great that I'm with you guys, but actually not Over. a con- you know. This relationship is done. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> so but yeah, yeah good for you. That's awesome. That's great. So, and it was, uh, people love the post. So, um, if anybody who's listening wants to hear it, the frugalfellow.com, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all right, cool. So um, you had mentioned uh, just a little bit about in high school you weren't so great with money. Do you mind telling more about your money journey? Yeah, well, you know, so – and I've, this is something I'm starting to read, uh, write about a lot because I think it's um, a really big issue. Like 
when I was growing up, um, you know, like there, there wasn't really any financial edu- education. I never had like a, a, a personal finance course or anything like that. And that's yeah. very common, uh, nowadays. It's, it's starting to change a little bit, but there's definitely not very good, you know, uh, financial education for, for younger people. Um, so, you know, basically like when I was going to co- into college and stuff like that, like I, you know, I didn't apply to as many schools as, as I could have. Um, but, I, it was kind of a funny thing because, like, I I had had it in my head that I was going to go to. I have three sisters, right? They all went to to the University of Illinois, and uh, so I was going to just do the same thing they did. And I just like had that in my head. It was like it wasn't even. I I never considered any sort of like alternative, you know, reality. Yeah. Um, and then I applied and I didn't get accepted there. So whatever, it, it happens. But I didn't have like a great backup in terms of like state schools, right? Right. So. I ended up just going to a private school, which was great and everything. I, I really liked it. But, um, you know, like I said, if I had gone to a state school, it would have been more affordable. Plus, there's other things like that I didn't consider, like community college and things like that. So right. I just didn't really have a good sense of what all my options were at the time. And also, like, you know, because I didn't really know what I was doing, I was like, oh, I'll just take all, on all these student loans. You know, it'll be fine. And, uh, you know, basically in retrospect, like maybe I could have taken out, you know, or, or tried to get more scholarships or like there's different scholarships I found out later that some of my friends got that, that really helped them a lot that I didn't even know existed. So I feel like I could have done better research, but again, like part of it was like, I felt like there just wasn't a whole lot of like financial education in terms of like, actually, you know, you guys should probably not be taking on, you know, a hundred thousand dollars worth of student loans. Like I didn't really have was a concept of that. Was that the number? It was almost a hundred thousand. Yeah, almost. Yeah. So I mean, I was. Yeah, that's, I, I don't know what the average is, but I'm sure it's pretty high. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's it's going up. It's well, it's, of course, it always goes up. But uh, yeah. at the time, I mean, I, I think that was pretty high. Definitely yeah. higher than average. Yeah. <laughs> so and seven years paid off. So anyway, congratulations. But yeah. So go ahead about your journey with money. Oh, I mean, I mean, you know, so um, really, well, I already said that, you know, kind of. Uh, I would say I started to care about it. Honestly, it really wasn't until I, I, I got out of college. Because when I was in college, I was just kind of like doing my own thing. And, and I mean, I did I did actually um, have a part-time job while I was in college. But that wasn't like um, because I wanted to like improve my finances necessarily. It was more like I just want to have spending money and, and things like that. So it wasn't really except until after college. Until I started, you know, having to actually like make the payments. So I was like, oh, crap. Like this is not – this isn't great. So um, – but you know, you know, I mean, I just did that for for several years, and, and it was fine. But uh, I, and I knew that I like wanted to pay off my student loans, and I knew that I wanted to be responsible with money, and and you know, all those sorts of things. But I didn't really know like what my kind of goal was. And then you know, I started to learn about you know the financial independence stuff and, and all that sort of thing. So once I learned that, I was like, okay, yeah, that's that's actually what I'm really working toward here. So, fin- so when you paid off your student loans. Did yeah. you achieve the financial independence that you wanted? Uh, no, I mean that was just uh, I was debt free at that point. Okay, I was debt free at that point. But you know, like when I'm talking about financial independence, I'm talking about you know like where your you know investments cover your your living expenses. So I wasn't at I certainly wasn't at that point. In fact, I'm still not at that point. But basically, when I paid off my student loans, I still didn't even I still wasn't even like familiar with the idea of financial independence at that point. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh great, you know, I paid off my student loans, but it, it wasn't until like another year and a half later or so that I, that I finally started to learn about all that sort of thing. So Right, yeah. right. And so you still um, need to make money, but you decided to not make money at a nine-to-five job, but instead by freelancing, doing writing. Is that right? 
Um, that is, or is there more than? Well, more? yeah, I mean, there, there is and that. technical things. Well, no, I mean, it's it's mostly freelancing. I, you know, the idea in my head was I really kind of, I kind of wanted to just make money off my blog because a lot of people do that. But then I found out, you know, it's it's harder than obviously than than uh, than it's advertised, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not producing very much income. So I would I would actually really like to do that. I would really like to just sort of do my own thing because if you're freelancing, you're still technically working for other people. And I would really like to just do something on my own. But basically, you know, I need to make money. So that that is like for right now, that's what I'm pursuing is is, is freelancing various freelance projects. Right, right. But yeah. the Frugal Fellow is going to be the next financial blog. Well, you know, it, it's 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 picking up. You know, I'm yep. I'm working on my uh, SEO and things like that. So traffic is sort of on an upward trend. It's it's slow, but uh, you know, it's it's picking. It takes up, time, so. but yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Keep so. at it. Um. All right, cool. So one of the other questions I want to ask you. Um, that I have on my list here is given the name of the blog, the frugal fellow, you're naturally frugal. Yeah. What are your top five best tips for being frugal? Yes. Um, okay. Can I like look at my, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Cause let's, I had, Oh maybe. wait, you know what? I actually don't think, yeah, never mind. It's not going to work. Oh, I, I think I can remember. Got to do it from memory. Yeah, no, I, we can do a drum roll. Yeah, no, I think I can remember it. I, I just said some different things. I don't know if I can remember number all five. five. Number five. I don't know if I can remember all five. Um, but no, like one of the things I like to tell people, um, and this doesn't, this is not necessarily, is not necessarily um, applicable to everyone, but I think um, there's a lot of people in this country who are really struggling, you know, just to kind of make ends meet. Uh, maybe they have like a lot of credit card debt and things like that. So what I like to tell people in that situation is, you know, you need to sort of get your spending in order. So that's where the budget comes in. I, I like to tell people, you know, you need to have a budget if you're, budget. If you're struggling to get by. And if you have an app that manages your budget. Yeah. Right. Wow. Right. Right. A right. real home run. Right. I think I haven't heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, but go ahead. Sorry. But yeah. Yes. No, like seriously. Though, but seriously, I yeah. mean, I think for, and again, that's not necessarily for everyone. I think if you are kind of in a situation where you, have a little bit more disposable income. You don't necessarily need to um, be budgeting every last cent. I, I don't think that's as important, but um, that's one thing. Um, another one is I would say um, just uh, keeping your debt under control. So, um, for example, one of the things that people in the FI community like to do is they like mm-hmm. to, um, you know, rather than doing the traditional thing where they take out like an auto loan, for example, they will just pay for their cars with cash, which is sure. great. And and you know that's. You know, I'll admit that's a luxury. That's not something everybody can do. But if you can do that, I mean, I think it's great because you're kind of, you know, limiting your debt and you, so you don't have those interest payments and things like that that you're making. So mm-hmm. um, that can save people a lot of money, I would yeah, say. For sure. Yeah, I'm seeing like a, a triangle here with the base being managing your spending because if you're managing your spending, you can get cash on hand and that's how you can pay for the car in cash, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah. and that can roll forward into these other aspects of being financially free. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. There you go. Um, so, you know, there's, a, there's a few other things. Um, I really, so I, I really like to buy things, um, secondhand. So that's, that's another thing. Yeah. Ooh, um, that is th- frugal. Th- do you yeah, thrift shops move. or, uh, see this shirt right here? Uh, yes, I do. It's uh, that's, that's where that came from. Thrift <laughs> shops. So, yeah. Um, do you, do you ever use Facebook to sell or buy things? The Facebook marketplace? Uh, Dan, I know you don't. Dan <laughs> doesn't, doesn't like Facebook. Yeah, you know, I, I actually. Well, like he doesn't use Facebook. You may love got, it. I got nothing against Facebook. I don't. I do. I don't have a Facebook account. I haven't for. Oh, you got a account there, man. Eight years or so. You haven't had one for eight years. Yeah. 
I mean, I can't remember the last time. I've, maybe longer. <laughs> but, you know, that's that's actually a good point. I don't use it for that necessarily. But actually, you know, it's really good for just like networking, actually. So that's... Networking. That's one of the things I use it for a lot, which is not what you asked. But like that's... It has some very useful uh, features, uh, Facebook does. Yeah. So. I was surprised at how effective the marketplace was for selling things that I wanted to get rid of. Me Before it was Craigslist. Do you remember Craigslist? Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I've actually used that. Does uh, the Facebook pages, do they do well locally? Yeah, yeah, they they do. Yeah, huh. you put it on the Facebook Marketplace. Makes sense, but yeah. And with with Craigslist, you'd have to go in there and then you'd have to take the picture with your phone. Then you come into Craigslist, you have to offload it on the phone into the website, and it was way too hard. And then yeah. it was a lot of like scammers who would try to get. Um, you know, hold of your money or whatever. <laughs> I just love how Craigslist still hasn't updated their UI. It's a right. like yes. from the nineties. Well, it's mostly text. Yeah, and I, that's it. Yeah, and, and you know, on a related note, uh, the marketplace they have like a whole. Uh, it's 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 more visual. So you've got like yeah. a, a picture, you know, pictures of all the stuff like just laid out in front of you. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's kind of you know this decade really like people yeah. like visual platforms. So it's yeah. it's really good for that. Yeah. Yeah. And and you the, the the anonymity of the of the buyer is gone. Like they have a Facebook page, you can look yeah. at them and you can mm-hmm. sort of see that. So the scam it eliminates the scam part of it. I assume maybe not wholly, but at least yeah. cuts down on it. And and you can sell some stuff. Well, you may have. Rev- I wonder if there's a reviews component like you do with Airbnb, where mm-hmm. somebody's booking. You can see like if they book before and all that sort of thing, right? Yeah. You can say like this person's bought before. They're legit, you know. They got a review from somebody else. Yeah, I think I can definitely help that aspect. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so thrift shops for clothes yes. and yeah, and then uh, it's tough for me to do that. I'm just so tall. I can't. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and, I, and I actually, have, I actually do have a little bit of trouble, like even for me finding things that fit. So I'll admit that. But uh, it's in it. You know, it's not just clothes though. Too like just you know anything secondhand that you can get. I think is is a win. Um, I mean, there can be different things like couches or, or, you know, whatever. I mean, sometimes you have to kind of be a little bit careful with stuff like that, but I think just anything you can get secondhand, like it can be such a huge cost savings. I mean, you, you look at some of those couches, they're like $2,000, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, and you know, like I said, it can be a little bit more work. You have to do a little bit re- more uh, research sometimes and things like that. But, uh, I think the effort can, can really be worth it. You know, that re- thinking of speaking of things that are overpriced that don't seem like they should be that expensive, but are yeah. they like $2,000 for a couch? Like it's, it's wood and like some pillows and some, you know, nice <laughs> cloth on top, right? Yeah. Frames. Why are frames for pictures so expensive? Mm. Like if you go, they're going to cost you a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. Put that thing yeah, in a frame. I mean, now, but now I, I've gone yeah. to Amazon, you can get them for 30 bucks or something like that, but okay. still, I've heard yeah. that that's a good uh, thrift store flip. So maybe that's why. I don't know. I really so you buy in the thrift store, but where do you flip it? Well, yeah. So I actually haven't done that too much, but I know I know because I've done a, a little bit of just baseline research. Um, people tend to sell it on like eBay, and um, some people will sell on like Etsy and some different shops and things like okay. that. But yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe even Facebook Marketplace. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah. Have you ever done any flipping thrift thrift store flipping? You know what? I actually haven't. I have like, like I said, I've done a little bit of research. I've, I've been wanting to get into it. It's just like, I feel like I don't know enough about the products to like sort of be able to spot like the winners, I guess. Yeah. Um, Cause that is something that takes um, some, like I said, some expertise. research and expertise and things like that. I, I, I'm not at the point where I can like spot those things yet, but I would like to get to that point. Cause I think, I don't know, that seems like a fun hobby actually. Like I think I would like to do that. So. Yeah. I had a, I had a friend who, um, 
was into clothes. He was actually a computer programmer. Yeah. But before that, he was into clothes, and he had a brother who was in Japan. I'm going to mess up some of the details of this story. But he did this very thing by traveling from thrift store to thrift store. He had an eye for what was selling in Japan in terms of mm. old American classic clothes and shoes and different things like that. So he would get a list from his brother of what he should look for in the thrift store. And from city to city, would travel in the minivan, loading up on these shirts and then sending them to Japan and then making a making a living at it. That's awesome. Yeah, I like crazy. It. Um, I like it. any any thought? Are, are you a cu- are you a coupon guy? Oh, uh, not do, really. You not don't really. do coupons. No. Okay. I wonder how much of that is still a thing. The thrift store. Like I remember, flipping? no coupons. Coupons. Oh, yeah, sorry. I mean, I've on. heard it is. <laughs> I've heard it is. Like I actually uh, looked into this a little bit. Like I actually wasn't looking to that specifically. It was just like it was like part of something else. Like something about millennials or whatever. It said millennials are like. Supposedly, like eighty percent of them use coupons. I don't know if I believe that, but hmm. like, supposedly, supposedly they do. I don't. I don't know. You know I don't... what's funny is I I did actually use a coupon on Amazon last night. I bought some dog food, and there was like this coupon that was like, if you subscribe, we'll give you fifty percent off the first order, and it's like forty bucks or something. So I got dog food for twenty dollars, ah. and yeah. that's hilarious. Because if you would ask me when it was the last time I used a coupon, it was like. I never have used a coupon. But there you used one last but time. But yeah, it was like it did. It was an email subscription. Like, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it was on the app. When I was checking out, it was like, tap this button and you get half off. I was like, okay. Uh-huh. You know? And it worked? So yeah, I mean, I guess I guess the coupon dynamic has changed in that way. Yeah. And the there's just honey. Have you ever used honey? You know what that is? I have heard of that. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, it's yeah, it's an app. It's not. It's a it's a browser app. I want to call it. It's not like an app for your extension? phone. Hey, thank you. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> browser app. One of those that things. you that you type all this thing. Yeah. There's yeah. Calculations. It's a computer. <laughs> <laughs> Who's uh, it? Computer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So you install this browser extension, and and when you go to checkout, um, Honey will go. And check for all the promo codes um, for this particular item yeah. and apply them automatically. Wait, is that tied to a particular vendor like Amazon.com or mm-hmm. just like I've any of, site? I don't know if I've heard of this one, but I've heard of like definitely something like that. Yeah. So and then so you just and so basically you say you can. It used to be you used to click a button and let Honey go check for the coupon oh, codes. Yeah. Mm. But now Honey can just be installed as a browser extension, and it'll automatically in the background be searching for codes on. So anytime you're yes. just searching, it'll just automatically tell you if there's you can get twenty percent off or something like that. You know that that's, that's cool. actually, and you know that that's actually getting into kind of why I, I would say that I don't really um, do the couponing thing too much is because I think traditionally, like I just feel like it's not necessarily worth the effort. Like if you think, think about like the old, you know, like the the paper ones that you'd have to cut out or whatever. Like, I yeah. just feel like that's not worth the time and the effort, but if it's something like this where it's like more automated like that, like I feel like that could actually make it worth doing. So, yeah. 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 yeah I'm not even sure how, you know, with the decline of the newspapers, I'm not even sure how you would coupon clip anymore. Right. Um, it, yeah. You just get the Sunday paper maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Anything else, Dan, any other questions for the frugal fellow? I don't think so. Um, yeah. So I have a question. I have, I'm sorry, I have to ask, what, but sure. did you end up moving out with your parents? Or are you still saving money by living with the parents? Oh, yeah. No, no. That was uh, actually moved out. It was like 
uh, almost five years ago, actually. Oh, that so. was a long time ago. Okay, oh, yeah, that's ancient history. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, yeah, but I've been, because uh, they... So do you rent now or own? What did you decide to do that way? Yeah, well, actually, that's a good question, because I was living in um, one-bedroom apartments for, like, actually, like, four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I finally decided that I wanted to really hone that in um, because, and th- this was really more like the financial independence, you know, that sort of mindset. Um, I'm actually living in a house with roommates. Um, okay. I, I moved into a house with roommates because I'm paying literally exactly half of my, of my rent um, compared to what I was paying before. Okay. So, All right. Good. And that's, good. again, that's, you know, that's, that's the, good. that's the, that's that housing expense for you. So. Right. And now you're building up your, you have your, you have your uh, savings. Just mm-hmm. launching your own company and yeah. using that to get it going. Yeah. So, I mean, and th- you know, that, that's the thing too. It's, it's sort of, you know, like I said, things haven't quite worked out sort of the way that I, I necessarily wanted them to, but, um, yeah, so? just, well, just in terms of like, I wanted to build, build up more, um, with the things that I'm doing, I wanted to build that up more before I left my previous job, but it was just kind of like a bad situation, which I actually talked about in that, in that blog post. But yep. People will go check it out. Yeah. But I, I, I wanted to sort of build that up more than I, than I did before I left. Um, but you, but you are working for yourself at this right now. And yeah. that's a major accomplishment. Yeah. I wouldn't, I think so. I mean, I, and yeah, like I said, I mean, just, just cutting those expenses down is, as I think one of the most important things in terms of, cause I, I have no debt, you know, and, and I'm paying, not that much for rent compared to what I was paying before. So like I said, that that's really allowed me to kind of, you know, stretch my, my savings out a lot more than I, than I would have been able to otherwise. Yeah. So, okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, you've, you've downloaded weekly the app. Do you have any advice for us on how to make that better or the things you like to dislike? Um, not a whole lot. Like I said, I, I, I liked the, uh, the emails that I'm getting, you know, kind of, um, kind of like weekly updates or whatever. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of feedback that I have right now necessarily. Yeah. Um, no problem. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Was yeah, it? no, no, no worries. Yeah. Um, any, any, uh, ending thoughts? Uh, any ending thoughts? Um, I don't know. Not, nothing really, uh, comes to mind, but, but, uh, well, there was one other thing that, that I was going to mention, which I kind of sure. did mention it before, but, um, kind of something that I was kind of getting at, which is like, like said, getting your expenses done. I think that's really important. Um, and it's sort of like the big three, which is what I like to talk about. That was what actually my last uh, big thing. Um, but you know, getting your housing, transportation and food costs down, I think are the, the kind of the most important things. Those, those are like costs. the really, yeah. those are like Let's the talk really, about that. <laughs> that can be a surprising number. Those are like sure. the really key things. That I think that, that a lot of people don't necessarily focus on those. How and, do you keep your food costs down? Well, actually it's hard for me. I will say that it's hard for me because, um, I'm, I eat alone. Um, so there's different ways you can do it. Like, you know, rice and beans or whatever, like there's simple meals that you can make. There's a lot, a lot of sites out there that'll give you kind of like ideas. Um, but yeah, generally like simple ingredients. I'm actually not eating a lot of meat recently, which really helps. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, just, just kind of getting those expenses done. I think really where helps. do you shop for your food? Um, <laughs> different places, different places. Uh, but I'll actually go to like Walmart a lot, which I feel like almost like guilty for you know shopping at Walmart. It's like this huge store. I feel like I'd be should be shopping more locally, mm-hmm. um, but you know sometimes I'll go to like Trader Joe's and like Aldi and things like that too. So. Yeah. How about you? Where's your Where's your go to grocery? So we go to a mixture of Costco, uh, Food Lion by our house, and oh yeah, Food Lion too. <laughs> um, What's the other one? I don't know. I don't usually do the grocery shopping, but um, uh, Whole Foods. Is it Whole Foods out here? Yeah. 
Trader Joe's. I don't know. Yeah, Whole Foods. There's just, a, there's a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember if that's out here. I'm from Utah. I've been out here long enough. I don't know that I've yeah, been in Whole a Whole Foods. Foods yeah, the, yeah, yeah. They're okay. the organic store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. But Costco, you know that that's like uh, we could have our you own podcast get, about how much money you can spend at Costco. Yeah, you could have it alone <laughs> because I don't go to Costco. <laughs> nice. Do you go to Costco? No, no. Okay. no Costco's for like large families. No. You know, like you buy one thing at Costco and it's like enough for like six months for a single person. Yeah, but then you end up like with ten cakes. Like, what are you yeah. going to do? Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, and you have to have a membership and all that stuff. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it can be expensive. The, the The draw is that you buy <laughs> things in in bulk, right? So that it's cheaper, and and there is like some advantage to that. But, but you also got to buy a lot of but, it, right? <laughs> Buy a lot of yeah, I feel like for me, like I if I get a bulk group of thing of things, it's like okay, great, I can have this set of pins for like ten <laughs> point one set of pin, you know. But I don't, and I end up like with a bunch of random bulk items. And things. That was my impression. I was like, I don't really need three microwaves right now. You know, you can always just go there for the free samples, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, the samples are great. But it's not like an overstock store where they just like are selling <laughs> random packages of stuff like several microwaves in a single sale, like yeah. auction style. But we do buy we do buy a lot of food there. Yeah, I, I know people do. And it, yeah. <laughs> I'm one of them. Stock price is up. Um, so cool. This has been fun. Yeah. Yeah, so wait, I cut off the food cost thing. You're saying transportation, housing, and food costs. Was there something else you want to add to that list? No, those, I mean, no, those are really the, the, the main ones, yeah. So when you're budgeting, start with the, those big items is your advice. Yes, that's what I like to tell people because I, and there's different statistics on it, but I, I've read, you know, it can be up as much as like 75% of your expenses because, I mean, yeah. when you think about it, that kind of makes sense because yeah. they, they tell you that you shouldn't spend more than, you know, 33% of your, of your budget on, on housing. So the other two are, are 42% if you think about it. So that kind of makes mm-hmm. sense, you know? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I would, I would definitely start with those and kind of, kind of work your way down. That's, that's the way I like to do it. So. All right, cool. Cool. That's good. I like it. All right. Well, we'll, uh, it's been good to talk to you. I hope yeah. we can stay in touch and maybe do this again. Yep, sounds good. I appreciate it. All right. We'll be right back. So we're back. Do it live. Do it live. Um, I'm Drew Adams. Dan C. Taller. Uh, for those that are just getting to know us, we are the creators of Weekly, the budgeting app to redefine budgeting. The, rede- the budgeting app that redefines budgeting. <laughs> <laughs> Weekly. Weekly. So... Um, a little bit of background. Weekly tries to redefine budgeting by simplifying it. Um, you start off with two types of transactions, recurring and day-to-day. Inside of recurring, you have your recurring income. Subtract your recurring expenses. You end up with um, a number of discretionary spending divided into a weekly basis, and it ends up being your allowance. Then the app has your allowance in there, allows you to download your transactions from your bank, decreases your um, what we call safe to spend number um, so you can make sure that you're always on budget does away with over categorization or things that get in the way but really focuses you on spending um, less than you spending less than you <laughs> earn right it's, would you like to add anything simple. to that <laughs> wow <laughs> that sounded all right you try your turn we gotta work on this 
<laughs> okay, I'll, I'll take it from the top. I don't know that I can do any better. But Weekly is rewriting some of the rules of budgeting <laughs> to simplify the overall experience. So with Weekly, all your recurring expenses get separated out. And so the only number you have to worry about is the number you can spend each week when you're out and about buying groceries and gas. And that's really the thrust of it. So you put in all your recurring expenses up front. Those are, those are taken out of the, the, uh, or out of your income and you can spend everything that's left because everything's accounted for. So that's, that's the target we're going for. We're working on the narrative. We're working on getting it simple enough to, um, explain in, in a nutshell and, and get yep. people up and running with and, it. And yep, we're in the beta phase. So, um, if you're an iOS, uh, an Apple user, um, you can download our app from our website. Uh, there's a link there. You actually have to go to another app first. You download an app called Test Flight. And then from there, you download Weekly. And then you can be in. You can be yeah. in on the thing. Join in. Um, and so we just thought it would be fun to sort of keep our uh, listeners up to date on how things are going and progressing. Um, our, you know, And also, I guess we could, should share with our listeners our goal is to create an app that changes people's behaviors in a positive way. We want it to be easy to get on, but then also influences behaviors so that you can spend with more joy and less guilt. And um, hopefully we're trying to hit that goal. So we would love people's feedback, what we've built so far and what we're going to be building in the future. So right now, um, how many, how many beta users do we have, Dan? So since we've been integrated our, uh, analytics tool here we've got 50 new users so i think that puts our total uh, around 65 okay and uh um kind of like we had, had talked about earlier today we've got a plan to launch into the app store Ooh. in early july okay he said it and so uh we're we're going for it we're, we're gonna put it out there so there's a there's a bunch more we want to do to uh improve the app we're working on notifications right now um, but we're getting it out there. Yeah. So, so if you are a user, you may have gotten some, uh, notifications this week. That's part of our notification strategy. Um, right now we're trying to send notifications when new transactions come in to the bank so that you can put them into weekly and constantly keep track of your safe to spend number. And then when, you know, a new week starts, um, your, uh, weekly allowance, you know, gets added in, uh, and then you have some more money that you can that you can spend um so any other reports from the from the weekly side Uh, i think that's it uh we are excited about some of our new features uh those that have not started the app yet uh, we'll be working on a upgraded onboarding process where you link your your bank and your your credit card and other accounts right up front and then we will present you with all the recurring transactions so that that uh, initial setup can be really smooth. We're hoping to get it under five minutes for most users. Yeah, where you you log into the app and you're up and running um, to get that weekly amount that you can spend, and then that'll keep you on track on a day to day basis. So, right, right. Because right now, when you do onboard, you go through, and it would be helpful for you to have a view into what your into your bank account because it's going to ask you what is your mortgage, you know, if you have a mortgage or what is your rent? What basically what are your housing expenses? What are your transportation expenses? The recurring ones? What are your subscription amounts? Most people know in general what those are, but they, you know, they might want to look up the exact number. So it's useful right now 
to have a view into your bank account or really just sort of be looking at your online banking while you're setting up the app. And then you can import your transactions going forward um, in the app as it currently is. In the future, um, hopefully we'll be able to get even, even that process more streamlined by being able to sort of tell you what we think your mortgage is. Tell you yep. what we think your your recurring subscriptions are, and you can simply check the box, and then your mortgage sort of falls. I mean, your budget really kind of falls right into place. Bingo. Yeah, okay. I'm excited. Yeah, so that's going to be a, a good feature, and and ultimately, like Drew was saying earlier, our objective is to help improve behavior. We want to um, get the right degree of mindfulness in budgeting and, and just awareness of what you can spend. Uh, and then keep people on on track with that single number. So the simplicity aspect and also the mindfulness, we feel like is going to be the combination for success in budgeting. Great. And if uh, if you need to reach us, you can email support at weeklybudgeting.com. If you are using it, want to recommend it to a friend, please you know recommend it uh, to a friend, and we appreciate your attention. Bam. Bam. Boom. Thanks for joining. Bye.